The Lord be with you. Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed to be cured. As the day was drawing to a close, the twelve approached him and said, Dismiss the crowd, so that they can go to the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions. For we are in a deserted place here. He said to them, Give them some food yourselves. They replied, Five loaves and two fish are all we have, unless we ourselves go and buy food for all these people. Now the men there numbered about 5,000. Then he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50. They did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing over them, broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied. And when the leftover fragments were picked up, they filled twelve wicker baskets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So again, as I mentioned, this week we're going to take a look at the body and blood of Christ. You may have noticed that theme throughout all three readings. But I want to first just remind us about last week. Last week we focused on Trinity Sunday on our triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And and specifically how Jesus becomes a linchpin in it all. This God-man and how both His divinity and His humanity is important. That many would reject His divinity or at least His full divinity and make Him to be more like a demigod. But the problem is that Jesus even confesses amongst about Himself to, to say He is anything less than fully divine is to make Jesus a liar. And that sets us up for this week as we talk about the body and blood of Christ and we take a look at the Eucharist. Because if he is not God, then he cannot be present for us along with Christians throughout the world. And I've, I've heard that comment before that you can't truly believe Jesus is in this meal, in the bread and wine is his body and blood because he couldn't be here and in Europe and Australia all at the same time. This is God. He's omnipresent. He's all places. But if he wasn't man, then he has nothing to give us but some spiritualized symbols. But he was fully man, true flesh and true blood that he offers to us. And if we look at the text, we see this come out. Sometimes people will say, well, he's just talking in a metaphor. Jesus is always talking in parables and metaphors to try to help his disciples and the crowds to understand some deeper truth. Something that their minds can't quite comprehend. But if we look at the actual language, there's this phrase that comes up. It's tuto estin to soma me. And that means this is, estin is from the verb emi, to be. This is my body. And the same thing, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Sacrifices or, or covenants are made through promises or the blood sacrifice. And the blood sacrifice for this covenant is his blood. But if we look at the parables, often in the English we translate it, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like, and the word therefore is like is homoyo. 
It's a different word, and it's actually a Greek word that means it's similar, or it's, it's a, a, a close comparison. It's, it's language they use to denote metaphor. Jesus very specifically, when he talks about this is my body, uses the word to be, this is my body, not it's like. And when he talks about the kingdom of God or parables, and he's talking in metaphor, he uses this other word that means it's similar to. Luther and Zwingli in 1529 at the Marburg Colloquy had a a discussion about this, a debate about this. And Zwingli went into this long extended discourse. And in the midst of it, Luther took a piece of chalk, lifted up the tablecloth, and started writing something on the table. And then he put the the piece of uh, tablecloth back over it. He didn't say anything. And Zwingli keeps going on with his discourse. When Zwingli finally gets to the end of his teaching, all Luther does is, is lift up the tablecloth and, and show Zwingli what he wrote. He wrote, Hoc est corpus meum. This is the Latin for this is my body. And he pointed to it. And he said, that's what my Lord said. It would be much easier to rationalize it. It would be much easier to say that's impossible. But this is what my Lord said. And I cannot make Jesus or the apostles out to be liars. And this is a struggle for our rational mind. But it would challenge us that it doesn't mean we have to leave our intellect at the door of a church. Arius found it easier to believe that Jesus was a creature of God. He was made beyond all the greatness of all the other people who had come before him, but he was still less than God. Paul would write in Philippians, though, that, that Jesus never considered equality with God something to be grasped. Why? Because he already had it. He already was. He is God. And so even Zwingli and many others have found it easier throughout the ages to believe that this this meal we eat is merely a symbol because it, it challenges our senses. But I would argue what's fascinating about the Eucharist is that the Eucharist actually engages all five senses. We can see it, we can taste it, we can touch it, we can smell it, and we hear it. When the words of Jesus come to us, and St. Thomas Aquinas said it so well when he said, through our touching, tasting, and seeing of the Eucharist, we may be deceived, but it is in hearing the words of Jesus that faith believes this is my body, this is my blood. And it's given for you. Luther loved that last phrase, for you. It's not for everyone else. It's not for people that have earned it. It's for you. So often we try to find Jesus or strength or hope or joy inside ourselves. And we find ourselves failing. Struggling with our own feeling of unworthiness. We try to conjure up these feelings of God within ourselves. But the Lord Jesus Christ, in his mercy, gave his body and blood, an external gift from outside of you to bring you salvation so that no matter what you're feeling inside, he beckons you to receive him. He's standing at the door knocking and asking you to open wide to receive his body and blood so that Christ is received internally into you, within you, that he would give you his gift. It's not you conjuring things up. It's a precious gift he places on your tongue and says, take and eat. This is for you. But we must look beyond appearances and we must hear his words. 
This is not the only time we have to look beyond the appearance in our faith. We are people that look at a babe in a manger and says, that is our God. We are people that look at a dead man hanging on a cross and say, yes, this is the immortal one. We are people that say he rose from the dead, not as some ghost or not just waking from a coma, but truly rose from the dead, body and soul, having communion with his disciples, eating and drinking with them, telling them, touch where they pierced my hands and where they pierced my side, embracing them with love. He is our God who comes to us even today. But we need to hear his words and believe. And his salvation comes wherever you're at. The trials and the tribulations and the struggles and the hardships and whatever you are experiencing, Jesus comes to you now and offers himself for you and we only but receive this great and powerful and beautiful gift. For this is the great sacrifice. Melchizedek was in the Old Testament and he was interacting with Abram. Melchizedek himself is known as the great uh, the great. Uh, Sorry, the righteous king of peace. He's the righteous king of peace. Does it sound familiar? And what does he do when he comes to Abram? What does he he feed him with? He gives him bread and wine. Sound familiar? And it talks about in the Psalms about this Melchizedek who's a great priest and, and offers a sacrifice. And in Hebrews 7 it says, this high priest is Jesus. Jesus is, is Melchizedek making this ultimate sacrifice That he himself is lamb and priest. That he sheds his own blood. He is the righteous king of peace. Who righteousness makes us right with God. And brings us peace in in the torment, in the war of sin in our hearts. And so Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary fulfills all the sacrifices of humanity through all time. And through that sacrifice, Jesus makes you and I and the whole human race right before God. This is his priestly duty. But as a king, what's fascinating about kings is they gather their people and they feed them. So what do we see in the gospel reading today? We saw a king who gathered 5,000 plus and he feeds them. The disciples say, send them out. Send them out. Let them fend for themselves. And he in his compassion says, no, let's let you feed them, and then when they have not much to give, he, he takes those five loaves, and he takes those two fish, and he, he makes it abundant. He makes it abundant. And how do we respond to all this? How do we respond to this great gift we've received? Thanksgiving. That's where we get the word Eucharist. It means thanksgiving. We give thanks. We give praise, and we offer our very lives as a sacrifice of praise. That's what we're going to be confessing in just a moment. That's what we're going to pray in just a moment, that our lives may be a sacrifice of praise. It's like the disciples. We may not think there's much here to give. We might be hard on ourselves and think, what can the Lord do with me? Well, what could the Lord do with five loaves of bread and two fish? And so we offer the little bit we are, realizing that everything we are is simply what God has given us. All of our life, all of, we, all of us is just gift from God. And we offer it back up to the Lord in this Eucharist. And we say, Lord, take my life and bless it and then send it out that it may be abundant. An abundant blessing to others. 
And that I may live with thanksgiving in my heart and that thanksgiving may be poured out. This is what happens when we are fed and nourished by our God, by his very body and blood, that we would find great joy in this restored relationship we have with God, that we may see the world in a new way, with new hope, and that we may cling to this through all the trials and challenges of this life. Because it is through this meal that Jesus transforms us and, and works on our hearts and minds and changes us. And so we come again and again and again to eat of it. Because in this meal, as they say, you are what you eat. Our prayer is that we look more like Christ in this world. Less like ourselves, less like our sinful, selfish selves. But be transformed. Be transformed so that when the Lord looks on us, he sees the one who clothes us in his white, righteous robes. Jesus. We don't have much to give. But I, but, I, but I promise you, God has done great things with much less. He's done powerful things. It's, it's like a, a child who gives their parent a gift. Right? Does, does the child need to give their parent a gift? No, the parent probably could go buy it themselves if they wanted to, right? But when a parent receives a gift from their child, Does it not just warm their heart? Does it not just bring them joy? They don't need it. It's not what it's about. God doesn't need anything we have to offer. He's God. But he calls us to to offer up our lives so that he may do a great work within our hearts. He may save us. And this is a great mystery of faith that God would humble himself to take on flesh and blood that he may now offer it to us. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit that he gave us through the waters of baptism would stir within us that fire of faith that sometimes is burning bright but other times is just just this faint little flicker. That he would ignite that today in each of us. That we may believe the words we're about to hear. This is my body. This is my blood given for you. And by that, we may be transformed by the very thing we receive. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.